Welcome to this week's Audio Digest edition of the Evening Times. From Friday the 8th to Thursday the 14th of June 2018. Read by volunteers at Kuhn Review Print Speaking to the Blind at our studios in the Bishop Riggs Media Centre. Coming up in part one. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Beyonce and Jay-Z's quick exit to Glasgow Airport after Hamden gig. This article by Beverly Lyons, showbiz columnist. ScotRail urged to compensate commuters for three weeks of disruption. Opposition parties unite in bid to force nursery fees U-turn. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Airdrie Dad forced to apply for planning permission for kids' much-loved playhouse after low-life complaints. This article is unattributed. Travel chaos. Glasgow trains and roads in chaos as Storm Hector arrives. East Renfrewshire councillors claimed more than £12,000 in expenses. Article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Gorbo's fire. Eight rescued and taken to hospital. This article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Commercial waste project offers opportunity for businesses to expand. Increase in Glasgow pupils struggling to cope with social media pressures. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. A nation of lifesavers, our plan to make CPR mandatory in every Scottish school. This article by Caroline Wilson. Scottish flu deaths soar to more than four times higher. Fire crews rush to battle blaze at Bermulloch Flats. Article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Glasgow Education Chief looking again at controversial child care hike. This article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Glasgow Airport reminds holidaymakers they will not tolerate bad behaviour. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Man, 65 denies sex attacks on girls at primary school. This article is unattributed. SNP Westminster leader defends PMQ's protest. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Beyonce and Jay-Z's quick exit to Glasgow Airport after Hamden gig. This article by Beverly Lyons, showbiz columnist. Beyonce and Jay-Z made a sharp exit from their Hamden gig in Glasgow, getting out of the city immediately after their last song. It meant that I missed the chance to meet up with the Queen Bee this time around, although I've had the privilege before. We were once locked in Harvey Nicks before an MTV event. She enjoyed some wheatgrass juice as she perused the then trendy juicy couture styles and then popped on a pair of sunglasses before thanking me, still not sure why, for her shopping trip. We posed together for a pic before the paparazzi snapped her leaving. Anyway, this time around there was no stopping as a police convoy of four motorbikes made sure the power couple could make a fast exit onto the motorway with one rider out in front. It made me laugh when she went to the left, to the left of the motorway, get it? The one billion dollar duo travelled in two people carriers to the airport where my insider there told me they entered through the signature private jet compound. 
Normally private planes are stationed there, but Beyoncé and Jay-Z had to park their humongous plane at the other side of the runway because it was too big. That meant the couple had to be chaperoned across the actual runway while the rest of the planes at the airport were held back to allow them through. The Evening Times On Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018 News section ScotRail urged to compensate commuters for three weeks of disruption. This article by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. ScotRail has been asked to consider compensating passengers hit by three weeks of disruption on a Glasgow line. Services from Queen Street to Annie's Land will terminate at Ashfield from Wednesday, while network rail signalling equipment repairs are carried out at Cowlairs. The works are expected to last until July the 8th. ScotRail said it would operate an hourly shuttle train between Annie's Land and Ashfield for the duration of the works. However, following intervention by Maryhill and Springburn MSP Bob Doris, the rail operator has agreed to run two additional buses during the early morning and evening rush hour. He has also asked ScotRail to consider compensating season ticket holders. He said, Services will be severely disrupted until the 8th of July. However, on this occasion, the matter is the responsibility of Network Rail and it has significantly impacted ScotRail services. Having been briefed on various technical matters, it does appear that running a more extensive service beyond an hourly service is not realistic. However, following our discussions, ScotRail will now run a shuttle bus service from Ashfield Station to Queen Street Station throughout the day. They will also lay on two additional buses each morning and evening at rush hour to take passengers between Annie's Land and Queen Street, serving each station on the Maryhill Line. I've also asked ScotRail to reconsider compensation for season ticket holders and I've been promised an update next week. Whilst I welcome the additional measures secured, there will still be significant disruption and inconvenience over the next few weeks. I've requested regular updates. This article is by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 11th of June 2018. Opposition parties unite in bid to force nursery fees U-turn. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Opposition councillors are planning to force the council to reverse the controversial childcare fees increase. The Greens have said they want to see the increase of more than 50% halted. Parents who have to pay or who use more than three hours entitlement will see fees raised from £2.54 per hour to £4 per hour this year and a further increase to £5 is planned for next year. The council say it is to bring its nurseries into line with others as it prepares to deliver 1,140 free hours for all three- and four-year-olds and vulnerable two-year-olds by 2020. Support from the Greens give opposition councillors enough of a majority to win a vote in the full council. After meeting campaigners from Fight the Hike, the Greens said they will bid to overturn the budget decision the next full council meeting. John Molyneux, co-convener of the Green Councillor Group, said we've listened to parents and carers and it's clear there is a real anxiety over nursery fees and that many face being forced to give up their jobs or get into debt just to pay for childcare. We are clear there needs to be some resolution on the issue before the council goes into summer recess to stop the fee increase applying in August. The Greens said they opposed a 57% hike and wanted a rise of £3 an hour instead, but it was rejected. 
the party backed the SNP group budget but said it is now clear changes need to be made. Martha Wardrop, Green Councillor, said we supported them on the basis of mitigation measures being put in place but it's now clear that those measures are not enough to stop the risk of some parents being forced into hardship. A spokeswoman for Fight the Hike said we are delighted the Green Councillors have listened to the serious concerns raised by Glasgow parents. With the support from Labour and Conservatives in Glasgow City Council, a majority now support the position that these unreasonable hikes, which will have hugely damaging repercussions for Glasgow families, have to be stopped. We again ask the SNP administration to use common sense and listen to their constituents and other elected members to put an urgent stop to the policy and allow time for proper consultation and consider reasonable alternatives. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts. For free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Airdrie Dad forced to apply for planning permission for kids' much-loved playhouse after low-life complaints. This article is unattributed. A father of two has been forced to apply for planning permission for his daughter's much-loved playhouse after a low-life complained to local authorities. Tilly May, six, and sister Amelia Rose Burke, four, have been playing on the colourful playhouse non-stop since they were given it by their uncle last month. Dad, Brendan, 27, from Airdrie, North Lanarkshire, was pleased with the gift because it meant that the youngsters no longer had to play in the nearby park, which is covered in glass, needles and dog dirt. But now he has been forced to battle council bureaucracy and submit a planning application in a bid to keep the playhouse, which has brought his children so much joy. The family now have 28 days to make their case before North Lanarkshire Council demands it is taken down following an anonymous complaint. Furious Brendan has collected 1,000 signatures supporting him, which he has submitted to the local authority. He said, The playhouse was bought from Costco. It's all fixed with pins so it isn't going to fall or anything like that. It's in my front garden because my back garden has slopes all over it. I contacted the council to see what was going on, as it is not blocking anyone else. It only blocks my windows, which I do not mind. The playhouse has brought kids from the neighbourhood together to play on the structure rather than the nearby council-run play park. Brendan says that he is prepared to fight his local authority in court over the playhouse if that's what he has to go to. He added, Six kids normally play on it, my two and the rest from the neighbourhood. It's much safer. There's a park about 400 yards from my house and it's covered in glass needles and dog dirt. I really don't get this. It's not let my kids play on it for the whole night. They're in their bed for 7pm every night. My kids just play on it when they finish school. I don't know who made the complaint, but I think it's just a low-life, jealous person. 
I still haven't got an answer as to why I should have it removed. I'm not taking it down unless they want to go to court with it. I just think the way the council is treating this is shocking. I think they have stooped lower than the individual who originally made the complaint. A spokesman for North Lanarkshire Council said that Brendan should be considerate to his neighbours. He said, we've got to consider the impact such a large-scale play facility could have on neighbours. Under the terms of the Good Neighbour Charter, Mr Burke is obliged to be considerate to his surrounding neighbours. We've been in touch with Mr Burke and advised him that he requires to apply for permission to keep the play facility in the garden and once the application is received, it will then be considered. We will look at the condition of local play areas and carry out any clear-up work required. The Evening Times on Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. Travel chaos. Glasgow trains and roads in chaos as Storm Hector arrives. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Forecasters have upgraded weather warnings ahead of Storm Hector, which could bring gusts in excess of 70 miles an hour to parts of the UK. Much of Britain is covered by a yellow weather warning, but the north and west of Northern Ireland, which will see the first winds hit in the early hours of Thursday, is now subject to a more serious amber warning. The Met Office said injuries and a danger to life is likely in coastal areas in Northern Ireland, with the chance of large waves and potential for beach debris to end up on roads, seafronts and properties. People have been advised to take care during rush hour, with potential disruption due to fallen trees and the possibility that outdoor summer furniture will have been blown around overnight. The storm, bringing wet as well as windy weather, will move across Scotland and the north of England throughout the morning. The yellow warning remains in place until 3pm. Train disruptions already being experienced for commuters across the city, with ScotRail saying it's experiencing severe issues across several routes. The Queen and Duchess of Sussex's first engagement together, opening Cheshire's Mersey Gateway Bridge and the Story House Theatre, may be hit by strong gusts, with winds of 60 miles an hour forecast for the north of England. Such stormy weather is quite unusual for this time of year, forecaster Luke Miles said. The worst of the weather is going to be in the morning rush hour for most people, he said. The storm is likely to clear to the northeast around lunchtime, just after 1pm. Southern England and Wales are likely to escape the worst of the windy weather, he added. This article was by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News on the 11th of June 2018. East Renfrewshire councillors claimed more than £12,000 in expenses. This article was unattributed. East Renfrewshire's councillors racked up more than £12,000 in expenses claims last year. Reimbursements were given to existing and former elected members for meals, training and travel. The largest amount, £2,880, was attributed to Provost Jim Fletcher, although £2,609 was for use of the Civic Car, which was paid for directly by the local authority to BMW. Council leader Tony Buchanan claimed £1,553, while Conservative Barbara Grant got back £2,131, with both councillors having been reimbursed £996 from two causal conferences dating back to 2016. Alan O'Afferty, the convener for Environment, was the only other councillor to claim back more than £1,000, with £498 paid for training and confidence. 
and £530 for telephone and ICT expenses. Barbara Grant said, There were two causal conferences that I attended. It's not just one day, it's two nights. One of those conferences took place in the previous year, but they didn't have it included in that year's expenses. COSLA has four representatives on the committee and I am the Conservative member. When we go to these conferences, it is seen as part of our duty, so we are not paid extra for attending, we are paid expenses. The total amount of expenses listed came to £12,175. Although attributed to members, East Renfrewshire Council paid companies directly for mobile phones, broadband, taxi costs and attendance at civic functions. That meant elected members didn't receive any cash back for these expenses. Councillor Grant was the only member to claim for subsistence and meals totalling £14. The highest amount for phones and ICT services was independent David MacDonald, whose total was £718. This article was unattributed. Article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Gorbo's Fire, 8 Rescued and Taken to Hospital. This article by Stuart Patterson, Political Correspondent. Eight people have been rescued from a tower block blaze in the Gorbals this morning. The Scottish Fire and Rescue Service said the casualties have been taken to hospital. The blaze on the 14th floor of the block in Commercial Road, south of the River Clyde, broke out in the kitchen of a flat. Smoke could be seen billowing from the top of a multi-storey block from across the city. Three fire engines were sent to the scene just before 8am. Upon arrival... They quickly called for more help. In total, eight fire crews were tackling the blaze. The flats are owned by New Gorbals Housing Association, who had staff on site while crews brought the fire under control. SFRS area manager Alan Fairbairn was the officer in charge of the incident. He said the SFRS was alerted at 7.58am on Thursday, June the 14th, to reports of a fire within a kitchen of a 14th floor flat in Glasgow. Operations Control mobilised a number of resources to the scene at Commercial Court where firefighters extinguished the flames. A total of eight casualties were passed into the care of the Scottish Ambulance Service and transported to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. News section. Commercial waste project offers opportunity for businesses to expand. This article by Holly Lennon. 
Glasgow streets could mirror that of Europe in the coming months as businesses flock to add outdoor seating to their premises. Following the rollout of the commercial waste project in the city centre, hundreds of unsightly on-street bins have been removed from the streets. In their place could be a wider variety of outdoor seating and a complete revamp of the city's lanes. Council bosses financed the removal of any bins and containers permanently being stored on public space in the city centre after the compliance date earlier this year. Over £12,000 has been spent on delivering the project, which means that no trade waste containers can be left on the city's pavements, streets or lanes, out with designated uplift windows. Commercial bins are only allowed on the street for one hour, and if the bins are not collected on time, must be returned to the premises. The move will be rolled out across the city before every area is compliant by early 2018. A number of businesses have already applied for permission to add outdoor seating to their premises. Among those is Tamaki at 113 Hope Street and 26 Bell Street in the Merchant City, who are also looking to expand outdoors. Elsewhere, the likes of Alcamela and Brewdog on Argyll Street, Ketchup on Pollockshaws Road, Pianola on the Crow Road and the Bailey Pub in Bailiston could all be expanding outwards. In the city's lanes, the authority have recently announced plans to encourage owners to make full use of the space. Antisocial behaviour, litter and illegal parking are continuing to plague certain lanes, despite warnings from the council to private waste contractors. Glasgow City Council are encouraging owners and users to view the city's 90 lanes in a more positive light and as an asset they can make more use of. A spokesman for GCC said, City centre lanes are now free from large bins as a result of the commercial waste project on the city centre. Although many lanes are already successful locations, there are still challenges within some and there's enormous potential for business growth by utilising the spaces for a number of uses in these lanes, such as outdoor cafes, events, business frontages onto the lanes, as well as alternative pedestrian routes. And thanks to the commercial waste project, these uses can now be considered. As part of the Council's city centre strategy, we will also shortly be introducing a lane activation fund to stimulate interest and activity within city centre lanes. This article is by Holly Lennon. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 11th of June 2018, increase in Glasgow pupils struggling to cope with social media pressures. This article by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. Demand for mental health services in Glasgow's schools is on the rise, according to a leading charity. LifeLink say pupils across the city are being given counselling for stress, anxiety and self-identity issues. The organisation contacted by Glasgow City Council to provide mental health services in school claims kids are struggling to cope with exam and social media pressures. A report into youth health amenities in the city has revealed that 1,050 pupils received counselling from LifeLink specialists between April 2016 and March last year. And Laura Jr., Communities Officer at LifeLink, said we have seen an increase in demand for our services from the schools operate within the past year. There are so many different factors that affect young people on a daily basis, from feeling the pressure of fitting in with their peers to dealing with exam stress. Social media, obviously, also plays a part with many young people feeling overwhelmed by the pressures that come with it. The immediacy and reach of social media is a pressure that previous generations did not face. We see a range of issues from low mood, anxiety, stress and anger to self-esteem and self-identity issues. We also regularly see young people with family issues or who have experienced bullying. LifeLink works with 26 schools in the northeast 
northwest and south side of Glasgow. Schools including Notre Dame, Knightswood Secondary School, Bannerman High School and Castlemilk High School are all able to access the organisation's services. The charity gives young people what is described as a safe space to speak about their issues. Specialist counsellors then help identify what is bothering pupils before working through challenges and helping them learn coping strategies. A council spokeswoman said Glasgow has, for a long time, been committed to early intervention and the use of nurture in our schools to target the individual needs of a child and young person, and we work with a range of partners to help support some of the most vulnerable pupils. Children and young people will need counselling for a variety of reasons and we will continue to offer any support we can to help alleviate any school and home pressures. Glasgow City Health and Social Care Partnership, GCHSCP, revealed that Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, CAMS, demand has remained steady since 2015. Last year, the service saw an average of 356 accepted referrals per month for moderate to severe mental health problems across the NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde area. A spokesman for the GCHSCP said considerable work has been undertaken in the last five years across NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde to advance a strategic approach to the promotion of children and young people's mental health. As part of their commitment to supporting children and young people's mental health, Glasgow HSCP commissioned services to provide mental health and wellbeing support to young people. The service is delivered by LifeLink Youth who work with young people aged from 11 to 18. The young people can access the service if they feel they have some challenges in their lives such as low mood, family and relationship issues, self-confidence issues or anxiety. This article by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. A nation of lifesavers, our plan to make CPR mandatory in every Scottish school. This article by Caroline Wilson. Glasgow City Council was hailed by health leaders after last week agreeing to make life-saving CPR lessons mandatory in all its secondary schools, following pressure from the Evening Times. As talks get underway to bring this plan to fruition, we're urging other Scottish councils to follow the city's lead and create a nation of lifesavers. British Heart Foundation Scotland has pledged to supply free training kits to every secondary school in Scotland to ensure all pupils leave as lifesavers. We contacted all 32 local authorities and so far... East Renfrewshire, East Ayrshire, Falkirk, Aberdeen City, Angus and Edinburgh Councils have all expressed an interest in taking forward a similar plan. The First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, said she warmly welcomed Glasgow's decision and encouraged everyone to take it up. Glasgow MSP Sandra White has also lodged a motion in Parliament backing up our campaign drive. It reads... The Parliament congratulates Glasgow City Council on its decision to introduce mandatory CPR lessons for all secondary school pupils. If the remaining 31 local authorities in Scotland were to take this approach, 
there would be approximately 50,000 pupils trained in CPR each year, delivering a nation of lifesavers for Scotland. East Renfrewshire Council says some training was already in place in primary and secondary schools and added, we, re- we would welcome the opportunity to work more closely with the British Heart Foundation to allow us to offer CPR training throughout all our schools. Falkirk Council said, We have seen the campaign mentioned in Glasgow and would certainly take a closer look at what's involved over the summer period. A spokeswoman for Aberdeen City Council said, ACC staff are working to establish a baseline of what is already happening as many schools already offer CPR training. Once we receive the information, we can establish next steps. North Lanarkshire Council said CPR training was fairly comprehensive in its 23 secondary schools but could not guarantee that all pupils were reached. South Ayrshire Council said a number of schools were offering training but said it was a matter for individual schools. Our National Drive has received cross-party support from Anna Sarwar, Scottish Labour Shadow Health Spokesman and Conservative MSP Annie Wells. David McHogan, Head of Policy for British Heart Foundation Scotland, said Glasgow City Council is leading the way, both in Scotland and across the UK, in the fight towards better cardiac arrest survival rates. Glasgow's decision means that around 4,500 school pupils will be trained in CPR each academic year, delivering a city of lifesavers for years to come. However, if the remaining 31 local authorities in Scotland were to follow, we would see approximately 50,000 pupils trained each year, delivering a nation of lifesavers and establishing Scotland as a world leader in CPR. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. News section. Scottish flu deaths soar to more than four times higher. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Worrying new figures have revealed that the number of flu deaths in Scotland has soared by more than four times higher than last year. A total of 331 people died from the virus in the first three months of 2018, while in 2017 the figure stood at 72 deaths. It came amid alarm over so-called Aussie flu, a strain which stripped Australia in 2017, and a drop in immunisation rates. In January, February and March 2018, a total of 17,701 deaths were recorded in Scotland overall, an increase of 13% compared to the same period in 2017. A spokesman for NHS National Service Scotland said, Mortality rates often fluctuate significantly from year to year. The rise for this period is not solely related to influenza. However, there was an increase in flu-like illness, and clearly this can aggravate other underlying conditions. This reinforces the importance of people taking up the offer of the flu vaccine. We are in the process of evaluating last season's flu, in partnership with international and European colleagues. This vaccine protects against a number of different flu strains, and it remains our best defence. This article was by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 11th of June 2018, fire crews rush to battle blaze at Bermulloch Flats. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Fire crews battled to save a Bermulloch close from damage after rubbish was set alight. The rubbish at the rear of Leadburn Road property was 
set on fire overnight causing extensive damage to the building. Residents raised the alarm at 0.25am this morning prompting three fire appliances to rush to the scene. An eyewitness told Evening Times the fire started as someone lit rubbish alight near the building. However, the building itself started going up in flames due to the insulation installed on the block. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Glasgow Education Chief looking again at controversial child care hike. This article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. The SNP's Education Chief at Glasgow City Council said he's looking again at the controversial increase in nursery fees. Chris Cunningham, Education and Early Years Convener, said he was not comfortable with the stories from parents having to cope with large increases in their childcare costs. Mr Cunningham said the Council has already acted to increase the income threshold for additional free hours and said it was being looked at further. The decision earlier this year to hike nursery fees for under threes and for those who need extra hours above the 600 hours free entitlement has attracted widespread criticism. The fees were hiked from £2.54 an hour to £4 this year with a further rise to £5 an hour planned for next year. Parents have told of having to consider giving up work or reducing hours as a result of the increase. The outcry of every opposition party at the council now opposed to the increase. This week, the Evening Times revealed the Green councillors on the council were planning to mount a challenge by bringing forward a vote to stop the increases in time for the new term in August. The Greens backed the budget in February, which included the childcare increase, but have since said it is causing too many problems for many families and needs to be halted. Mr Cunningham declined to say if the decision to look again at the increases was related to the Green move. He said an increase was necessary to move towards doubling the number of free hours in two years, but denied it was to raise cash to plug a wider council budget gap. The Evening Times reported how Education Director Maureen McKenna had written to a parent telling her that income to be generated from the fee increase is to be used to contribute towards meeting the funding gap in the Council's budget for financial year 2018-19. Mr Cunningham said instead it was about the wider service. He said, did we raise the fees to meet a budget gap? No, this is not about simply raising money. It's about the sector as a whole. Private nurseries are making a pitch for extra funding because there is a problem if the Council undercuts them. We're not raising £1.2 to plug a gap. We're doing it to change the sector. However, he admitted there were problems and expressed a willingness to make changes to help parents. He said, am I comfortable with where we are? No. The stories are difficult. It is always problematic to base policy on anecdote or individual stories, but I can understand the circumstances people are in. It is not a comfortable situation to be in. He said, in the budget process, we made some decisions. I stand by the need for restructuring. I'm looking at the situation. I can understand why people are saying what they say. It is something we are looking at. He restated, 
the measures already put in place to help parents deal with the increase. He added, We have raised the threshold for an extra 300 hours to £30,000 from 25000 Am I looking at it further? Yes. Mr Cunningham wasn't education convener or even education spokesman at the time of the election. He added, The budget has to address a range of issues. Decisions have to be made that were not issues at the time of the election. Here at Q and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. News section. Glasgow Airport reminds holidaymakers they will not tolerate bad behaviour. This article, unattributed. Glasgow Airport has reminded holidaymakers that disruptive behaviour of any kind will not be tolerated during the busy 2018 summer season. This year's Campus Watch Drive is underway in partnership with Police Scotland to tackle disruptive behaviour at Glasgow Airport and provides training advice and support to staff who interact with passengers on a daily basis. This includes check-in staff, security teams, bar and restaurant employees, retailers and airline crews. One of the key aims of Campus Watch is early intervention. Staff across the campus are encouraged to report the details of any potential instance of disruptive behaviour to the airport's central control room through a dedicated phone number printed on each employee's airport ID badge. This information, including passenger description and travel details, is shared with staff across the airport campus via a rapid text alert system. In addition to this, Glasgow Airport has invested more than £10,000 to introduce a new digital radio system to help disseminate live campus watch intelligence across the terminal in addition to the text system. Glasgow also took the unprecedented step this week to launch a national advertising campaign to remind passengers of their responsibilities when travelling through the airport this year. Francois Bourienne, Chief Commercial Officer for Glasgow Airport's parent group AGS Airports Limited, said... While it's important to stress that the vast majority of passengers travelling through our doors do so responsibly and that incidents are extremely rare, Glasgow Airport continues to operate a zero-tolerance approach to disruptive behaviour. Sergeant Claire Riddock, who heads up Campus Watch at Glasgow Airport, said, We work with our airport, retail, catering and airline partners to ensure that incidents of disruptive behaviour are few and far between. On the rare occasion, someone is disruptive and their behaviour can have a significant impact and cause concern and misery for a large number of passengers, particularly if the incident occurs on board an aircraft. By creating a single point of contact with Campus Watch and delivering consistent messaging and regular training, thousands of people employed across the airport work together to tackle disruptive behaviour as soon as it becomes an issue. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times, Thursday the 14th of June. Man, 65, denies sex attacks on girls at primary school. This article is unattributed. A man is to stand trial charged with sex attacks on two girls at a primary school. Brian Osborne, 65, faced the accusations at the High Court in Glasgow. It is claimed the incidents occurred at a school in the north of the city between 2004 and 2007. The first girl is said to have been 10 when the alleged abuse began with the other aged 5. Osborne of Dromoyne 
pled not guilty to two charges of using lewd and libidinous practices. Lord Mulholland set a five-day trial due to begin in August. Bail for Osborne was continued meantime. The Evening Times on Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. News section. SNP Westminster leader defends PMQ's protest. This article unattributed. Prime Minister's questions was plunged into chaos after the SNP's Westminster leader was kicked out for repeatedly challenging Speaker John Berko. Ian Blackford dismissed suggestions the move was a stunt and insisted he had a right to highlight the outrageous actions of Theresa May's government over Brexit. The Speaker acted after the SNP MP defied numerous demands to retake his seat after claiming Scotland was being sidelined in Brexit debates. Mr Berko ordered him to leave the chamber and said he could not return for the rest of the day. SNP MPs stormed out in solidarity with their leader and shouted at the Speaker. Tempers flared after time ran out for debate on the EU withdrawal bill on Tuesday night as MPs were set to consider what the SNP has termed a power grab by Westminster over responsibilities returning to the UK from Brussels. Mr Blackford suggested that the row could make the case for independence stronger. He told the Press Association, It's quite outrageous what's happened. The government railroaded through amendments without the SNP being able to have its say in the Commons. Not one single Scottish MP was able to speak in a debate that lasted less than 20 minutes, he said. That's undemocratic, that is a slight to the Scottish Parliament and a slight to the people of Scotland. At the 2016 Scottish Parliament elections, the SNP stood on a mandate of saying it could hold an independence referendum if there is a material change in circumstances for Scotland. People in Scotland will reflect very carefully on what's happened over these last 24 hours, Mr Blackwood said. It will be the case that Brexit will be a material change in circumstances. When the time is right, we will ask the people to come with us to take that jump and become a modern European nation. Conservatives accused Mr Blackford of orchestrating a publicity stunt because Mr Berko had agreed to hear his motion for the House to sit in private, which would have required a vote and disrupted Prime Minister's questions at the end of the session instead. Mr Blackford said the SNP would take the government on every way, including through parliamentary devices. Mr Blackford rejected the suggestion that the move was a stunt, saying, We have a responsibility to stand up for our constituents and stand up for Scotland. We have not been allowed to raise our voices in Parliament. The Speaker can kick out MPs who disregard his authority. Labour's Dennis Skinner has been ordered out for the day four times since 1992. Mr Blackford is the ninth MP to be asked to withdraw for the remainder of the day since 1992. SNP leader Nicola Sturgeon said she was right behind Mr Blackford and accused Westminster of treating Scotland with contempt. Scottish Secretary David Mundell said the SNP was about to be granted a debate on the devolution aspects of the EU withdrawal bill. He added... Disappointed, if not surprised, that they really felt so strongly about it, they chose a stunt over holding the government to account. Mr Blackford said the Scottish Secretary had done nothing to defend our national interest, adding, if he has any dignity and any self-respect, David Mundell should resign. This article was unattributed. End of part one. Please fast forward to the end of the tape and turn over for part two. This is part two, coming up. 
This is a message from the NFB UK, the National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom. What is NFB UK? The National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom, NFB UK, is a self-help organisation of blind, partially sighted and deaf-blind people helping each other to help ourselves. It's an independent, non-political charity that campaigns for greater rights, citizenship and independent living. How does NFB UK work? We have a network of branches around the country where members and supporters can meet locally. The branches keep our members in touch with their local community and represent their views to local and national authorities and society in general. We provide information for our members in Braille, large print, audio and electronic formats. We work with local and national organisations to improve the quality of life for all blind, partially sighted, deaf-blind people and those whose sight impairment is part of multidisability. NFB UK campaigns to defend essential benefits and social care services and seeks wider provision of these services and equipment to help us lead independent lives. We have local branches around the country and are aiming to open new branches in more areas. What are the benefits of joining NFB UK? You meet other blind, partially sighted and deafblind people with an interest in peer support, campaigning and making a difference. Members decide and shape which issues and campaigns to focus on and you decide how you want to work on campaigns. It's free to join this year. You will benefit from our special offer of one year's free membership. You can receive regular updates and share information through newsletter, e-group and our audio magazine for members. Founded in 1947, we have played a leading role in Articles for the Blind postal concessions, the retention of different banknote sizes according to denomination and tactile street paving. Current Issues We are currently active in issues around shared spaces and the built environment, disabled students' allowance, social care and rehabilitation, and the NHS and accessible information standards. Join us! If you are blind, partially sighted or deafblind, become a full member. We welcome sighted people to join as associate members. Any donation you can make will assist us to further our campaigning. For more information, visit www.nfbuk.org. Contact us via post, NFBUK, Sir John Wilson House, 215 Kirkgate, Wakefield, West Yorkshire, WF1, 1JG. That's Whiskey Foxtrot 1, 1 Juliet Golf. Telephone us, 01924 291 313 or email admin at nfbuk.org also on twitter and facebook at nfbuk now back to the main program body discovered in hogarth park may have lain for some time christian group accused of misleading police over new transplant law search for ayrshire teenagers who have been missing for more than three days richard avery Police appeal for man found dead in Govan, Ian Sprinks. Airdrie motorcyclist 39 killed in crash. Storm Hector to batter Glasgow with up to 70 miles per hour winds. Asda cuts fuel prices by 3p per litre. Rangers striker Joe Dodo joins Blackpool on loan. Rangers set to rename Murray Park after a Hamill deal. Your group by group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. This article from the Evening Times News. 
on the 13th of June 2018. Body discovered in Hogarth Park may have lain for some time. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This article from the 12th of June. Police are still waiting to identify the body found in a park in the east end of Glasgow. A member of the public discovered the body in Hogarth Park in Carntine shortly after 5.30pm on Monday. The park was sealed off with a cordon put up round the perimeter of the park as investigations started. Several police officers stood guard throughout Tuesday at all entrances to the park and at various sections where people could gain access on Carntine Road, Todd Street, Wadig Street and Edinburgh Road. The Evening Times told yesterday how a number of officers in an ambulance rushed to the site late on Monday afternoon. People in the area said they were unaware of any incidents until the large police presence appeared. One woman who lives close to the park said, The first I knew was when I saw all the police around the park. Police said on Tuesday they were still in the process of identifying if the body was that of a man or woman. It is understood the body has lain undiscovered for some time. The Police Scotland spokesman said formal identification is still to take place and a post-mortem will take place to establish the exact cause of death which officers are treating as unexplained at this time. A report will be sent to the Procurator Fiscal. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 13th of June 2018. Christian group accused of misleading police over new transplant law. This article by Caroline Wilson. A Christian advocacy group has been accused of making misleading and inaccurate statements after it branded the opt-out transplant system in Wales a failure two years into the new law. The Scottish Government yesterday unveiled the Human Tissue Authorisation Scotland Bill in Parliament which will mean individuals who wish to donate after death are not required to sign the organ donor register. It follows a long-running campaign by the Evening Times in a government consultation which showed it had the backing of the majority of the Scottish public. The Christian Action Research and Education Care Group issued a statement urging the Scottish Government to rethink the plan, claiming a 1.2% decrease and deceased donation rates last year was proof that the new system is failing. However, the Welsh Government says it has seen a year-on-year increase in donors in Wales since 2012-2013, from 52 to a high of 74 in 2017-2018. to It said organ donation should always have natural fluctuations. A Welsh Government spokesman said care is fundamentally opposed to presumed consent and actively campaigned against the introduction of the life-saving opt-out system in Wales. Whilst we respect their views, it is highly regrettable that they are issuing misleading and inaccurate statements. Since introducing an opt-out system, we have seen a steady rise in the consent rate for organ donation. In fact, more people in Wales are consenting to have their organs donated than in any other parts of the UK, with the overall consent rate in Wales at 70%, compared to 57% in Scotland. The more people who consent, the more chance we have of reducing the transplant waiting list. Lives are saved and changed forever as a result of organ donation, and we are 
fiercely proud of the fact Wales was the first country in the UK to move to a soft opt-out system of consent. We are pleased to see that Scotland will be following our lead. The latest figures show around 181,000 people have opted out, around 5% of the Welsh population. David McColgan, Senior Policy Manager for British Heart Foundation Scotland, said the Scottish Government's proposed changes to the law on organ donation are supported by over 50 years of international evidence, including Belgium, Norway and Spain. This shows when a soft opt-out system is used alongside other measures, it can increase donation rates. Jill Vickerman, National Director of BMA Scotland, said it had always been clear that firm conclusions cannot be made from Wales until the system has been in place for a number of years to allow trends to emerge. However, the 15% increase in deceased donors recorded over the last two years is encouraging. A Scottish Government spokesperson said, We need to do all we can to further reduce the number of people in Scotland waiting for transplants. The move to an opt-out system received 82% support from residents in the public consultation in 2017. We have made significant progress over the past decade and moving to an opt-out system will add to the important measures we have already in place as well as driving a long-term positive change in attitude towards organ and tissue donation. Under the proposed system, people will still be able to make a choice about donation and there are safeguards to ensure their wishes are followed. This article by Caroline Wilson this article from the Evening Times News on the 13th of June 2018. Search for Ayrshire teenagers who have been missing for more than three days. This article by Holly Lennon. A search has been launched for two teenagers who have gone missing from Ayrshire. Ryan Bond, 15, and Ellie Robinson, last seen were last seen in a address on Darley Road. Kill winning around 6.15pm on Saturday during the 9th. Ryan is described as being around 5 foot 4 of slim build with brown curly hair. He was last seen wearing a light grey Armani tracksuit and light grey trainers. Ellie is described as being around 5 foot 4 of slim build with long black hair with blonde hair underneath. When last seen she was wearing light blue jeans, a white vest top, pink jacket and white trainers. Sergeant Claire Jack Irvine Police Office said Ryan and Ellie are friends and know the Irving, Kawinning and East Kilbride's area as well. We believe that they are together and would appeal for anyone who knows anything about their whereabouts to come forward. We would also appeal to Ryan and Ellie themselves to come forward and let us know they are okay. Anyone with information should contact police via 101, quoting incident number 3794 of Saturday the 9th of June 2018. This article by Holly Lennon. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 13th of June 2018, Richard Avery, Police Appeal for Man Found Dead in Govan. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Glasgow Police are on the hunt for the relatives of a man who died in Govan. Richard Avery was found dead within his home on Uist Street Wednesday, June the 6th. The 48-year-old previously resided in the Pollock, Nets Hill and Cumbernauld in Kilsyth areas. There were no suspicious circumstances surrounding the death. It is believed he had relatives in the Gifnock area of Glasgow. 
officers are keen to trace those who knew him. Anyone who has knowledge of Richard Avery's relatives is asked to contact the Administration Department at London Road Police Office on 0141 532 4614. This article by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News on the 13th of June 2018. Ian Sprinks, Airdrie Motorcyclist 39, killed in crash. This article by Maxine MacArthur. A man has died following a road crash in Airdrie this morning. Around 1.15am, motorcyclist Ian Sprinks was travelling westbound on Longregend Road near Airdrie when it appears his motorcycle lost control. Inquiries carried out so far have revealed the 39-year-old boy have either been hit or swerved to avoid a fence post on the roadway. No other vehicles were involved in the collision. Emergency services attended and Mr Sprinks was taken to Monklands District General, where he was pronounced dead. The road closed off for several hours as crash scene investigators conducted inquiries at the scene. Road policing officers are appealing for anyone who was travelling on that road last night or anyone with any information to contact them at Motherwell Police Station via 101, quoting incident number 0031 of Wednesday the 13th of June 2018. This article by Maxine MacArthur. Did you know you no longer have to get this digest programme on tape? You can listen to more daily podcasts at qnreview.com forward slash free podcasts, where we have daily digests of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers. If you only have time to listen to 90 minutes of news each week, sign up to our Castbox service at castbox.fm where the Herald Scotland, National Scotland and Glasgow Evening Times are available as Weekly Digest podcasts. It's easy to set up. Go to our website at qreview.com forward slash weekly digest and links are available to our channels. Now, back to the main programme. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 13th of June 2018... Storm Hector to batter Glasgow with up to 70 miles per hour winds. This article by Maxine MacArthur. A weather warning has been issued with winds of up to 70 miles per hour expected to batter Glasgow. The Met Office said a very windy spell will develop before reaching its strongest throughout Scotland, Northern Ireland and the far north of England on Thursday morning. Known as Storm Hector, westerly winds are likely to be between 50 miles per hour and 60 miles an hour, but could reach up to 70 miles an hour in exposed locations before easing in the afternoon, the forecasters said. The yellow weather warning states that the risk to travel disruption and damage to buildings is low. Persistent heavy rain is expected to begin later in the evening, with the weather warning coming into force from 3am to 3pm tomorrow. The Met Office said persistent and heavy rain will extend eastwards across all parts this evening. Drier weather with a few showers developing later, fresh southerly winds, perhaps gales along the exposed coast. Minimum temperature 12 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow, outbreaks of rain in the morning persistent across northern Argyll becoming brighter with a few showers by afternoon. One day with strong westerly winds. Perhaps gales for the time. Maximum temperature, 14 degrees. This article by Maxine MacArthur. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 13th of June 2018, 
Asda cuts fuel prices by 3p per litre. This article was unattributed. Asda has cut fuel prices following claims that retailers were refusing to pass on a drop in wholesale costs. The supermarket giant has reduced the price of unleaded by up to 3p per litre and diesel up to 2 pence per litre. The new national price cap means drivers will pay no more than £1.25 per litre for unleaded and £1.28 for diesel, and it's 318 filling stations. Drivers have suffered a rise in fuel prices almost every day since the end of April, despite wholesale costs coming down by around 2.5 pence per litre since May the 24th. The RAC says recent falls in the wholesale costs have been caused by the US drilling for more oil than in recent years, increased output from Russia and speculation that oil production group OPEC will end its restriction on production. On Monday, average UK forecast prices stood at £1.29 per litre for unleaded and £1.33 for diesel. Most expensive of both have been since September 2014. As the Chief Executive Roger Barnley said, We know that the cost of living is centre of mind for our customers and we will always do whatever we can to reduce that burden. Customers can trust us to lead the way when it comes to lowering the price of fuel and putting cash back in their pocket. RAC spokesman Rod Dennis said at last retailers have done the right thing and started to cut prices at the pumps. From our data, we could see no justification for them holding on to savings that they have been benefiting from for three weeks. With petrol prices rising and their forecast rate in 18 years last month, millions of households and businesses have been feeling the effects of having to spend more on what is an essential purchase for many. Today's cuts should bring some welcome relief. It is absolutely right that at times when wholesale prices are falling, forecourt prices follow suit. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 13th of June 2018, Rangers striker Joe Dodo joins Blackpool on loan. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. Rangers have announced that striker Joe Dodo will spend the 2018-19 campaign on loan to Blackpool. The 22-year-old joined the Jairs from Leicester City in the summer of 2016 and spent the first half of the season on loan to Charlton Athletic. Dodo, who has scored five goals and 27 appearances for the Light Blues, will spend the entirety of the upcoming season with the Seasiders in League One. He struggled to make an impact during his first half season at the Valley and featured in just eight matches, scoring two goals. An England under-18 internationalist has a deal with Ibrox until May 2020, but has not in Steven Gerrard's plans as he reshapes his squad ahead of the new campaign. I do apologise, I'm not sure if I pronounced his surname right, however it is spelt D-O-D-O-O. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. This article from the Evening Times News. On the 13th of June 2018, Rangers set to rename Murray Park after Hamill Deal. 
This article by group senior sports writer Christopher Jack. Rangers are set to rename their Auchinhoe base after striking a deal with kit manufacturer Hummel. The state-of-the-art facility was named after Sir David Murray when it was opened in 2001 and has officially been referred to as the Rangers Training Centre in recent years. In April, Rangers announced they had clinched a three-year link-up deal with Hummel to supply kit and training wear. It is understood the Danish firm have a naming rights agreement for the training ground and further details over the rebrand are expected to be confirmed soon. This article by group senior sports writer Christopher Jack. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June, 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group A, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay. This article by Stuart Fisher. Group A is full of Eastern promise. Anyone who thought Vladimir Putin had handpicked this group for his country may have to think again in a section laden with as much intrigue as a Cold War Jean Le Carre thriller, writes Stuart Fisher. The hosts kick off the tournament against Saudi Arabia and the pressure could become suffocating if they don't get three points on the board. Top Dogs Uruguay. With their attacking prowess and cynical defensive play, the South Americans qualified second in South America and clearly have the pedigree in this section. Fourth place finishers in 2010, then taking England apart prior to a last 16 exit four years ago, Oscar Tabárez has an ageing unit in his hands. Most of their notables are in their 30s, including strikers Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez. Dark Horses, Egypt. They lost just one match in qualifying to a late goal in Uganda. Assuming Mo Salah's shoulder holds up, he and the likes of West Brom's Ahmed Hegazi and Arsenal's Mohamed Elneny could help carry last year's Africa Cup of Nations runners-up in a fair way in this tournament. Wily Argentinian coach Hector Cooper always makes sure they don't give too much away at the other end. Wooden Spoon Contenders By the rankings at least, this group and the opening game plays host to the two worst teams in the tournament, Saudi Arabia, 67th, and hosts Russia, 70th. The ambitious Green Falcons, as they return to the world scene for the first time in 12 years, could spring a surprise or two under the charge of Juan Antonio Pizzi, their third manager of the campaign. And then there are the hosts, who are mired in doping intrigue over one of their players and haven't won any of their last seven matches. Class Acts Cavani was the top scorer in South American qualifying and had an excellent season beside all the Neymar rumpus at Paris Saint-Germain. Salah, an emerging world superstar, was the joint top scorer in the African sections. The hosts are holding out for a hero, so could this be the time for a talent like Denis Cherchev to shine? 
Young Bucks. Experience generally holds sway in this group, but 21-year-old Stoke City winger Rabadan Sobi is keen to move on from the Potteries this summer to escape the Championship and has a perfect window to impress his would-be suitors here. Uruguay's Rodrigo Bentancur, who now plies his trade at Juventus, is the young talent who makes the golden oldies of the team tick. Alexander Golovin of Russia seems to be a midfielder with real potential. The 21-year-old won the European Under-17s Championship in 2013 and has already represented Russia on 17 occasions, scoring two goals. Scottish interest. Six members of the Zenit St. Petersburg squad, which took care of Celtic on Europa League duty, line up for Russia here. Rostov-on-Don, where Uruguay take on Saudi Arabia, is twinned with Glasgow. Curiosity Corner. Saudi Arabia striker Mohamed Al Salawi, who has 26 goals in 33 internationals, spent three weeks training with Manchester United in the lead-up to the tournament. This article is by Stuart Fisher. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group B, Portugal, Spain, Morocco and Iran. This article by Graham McGarry. Group B looks like the section to really get the World Cup going with a bang. And despite the geographical proximity between the nations, with Portugal and Spain sharing a border, and Morocco just across the sea from Andalusia, the competitive nature of the section means that relations will be anything but neighbourly, writes Graham McGarry. There are also numerous subplots, with former Portugal head coach Carlos Queiroz now in charge of Iran, who make up the group. To say that some of the Portugal players won't be on his Christmas card list and vice versa would be quite the understatement, with parting shots aimed in both directions when he quit in 2010. Top Dogs It seems strange that Portugal, a side containing Cristiano Ronaldo and the reigning European champions, would not be considered favourites to top the group, but you can't ignore the greater strength in the depth of Spain. The Portuguese may have one star who eclipses everyone else in the section, and perhaps all but one in the world, but Spain can call on a truly world-class option in every position. Dark Horses On the face of it, Morocco and Iran would seem to be battling it out for third place, but as outlined above, these are two footballing nations who are very much on the rise. Morocco didn't concede a goal as they topped their qualification group ahead of the Ivory Coast, and Iran were also unbeaten as they finished comfortably clear of South Korea en route to Russia. Wooden Spoon Contenders As outlined above, despite the credible showings that Morocco and Iran could be expected to produce, it very much looks like they'll battle it out for third, given the greater quality within the section. They face off in the opening round of fixtures, and that would appear to be the decisive match in determining who props up the standings. Class Acts It could very well be 33-year-old Ronaldo's last chance at winning a World Cup. It will, however, be the swan song from top-level football altogether for Spain's midfield magician Andres Iniesta, the scorer of the goal that won the 2010 World Cup, who leaves Barcelona to play out his career in Japan after the tournament. Young Bucks There's no denying the talent of Real Madrid's Marco Asensio, and at 22 it feels as though he could be arriving at this tournament just the right time in his development, a classy operator with an eye for a spectacular goal from a distance. Moroccan Amine Harit, 22, is an exciting talent. He represented France up until senior level and was named Bundesliga Rookie of the Year after making the switch from Nantes to Schalke. Scottish interest. Veteran Rangers defender Bruno Alves has made the cut for Portugal, despite an indifferent first season in Scotland, and the 36-year-old may well form his familiar defensive partnership with 35-year-old Pepe once again. Curiosity Corner. 
Morocco coach Erd Renard, who won the Africa Cup of Nations with Zambia and the Ivory Coast before leading his side to Russia, was once sacked by Cambridge United after just 25 games in charge, with them at the bottom of the league too. This article was by Graham McGarry. The Evening Times, on Monday the 11th of June 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group C. France, Australia, Peru and Denmark. This article by Alison McConnell. Group C. France, Australia, Peru and Denmark. This one looks like a straightforward case of France strolling through the initial games before getting up to speed in the knockout stages, writes Alison McConnell. Denmark thumped the Republic of Ireland in the playoffs to make it to the tournament, but with the teams not playing one another until the final match, the expectation is that France will be able to take the first berth, with the luxury of being able to rotate a squad full of riches, while Denmark will be happy to finish second. Top Dogs France will be expected to top the group without trying too hard. While there were a few moments of note in their qualification campaign, a goalless draw with Luxembourg, it's difficult to find too many flaws in a squad who have genuine ambitions of going all the way to the final. Antoine Griezmann has emerged as one of the leading European talents in the last four years and always raises his performances in the biggest games, recently scoring twice in the Europa League final when Atletico Madrid beat Marseille. Kylian Mbappe and Ousmane Dembele will offer significant support and Paul Bogba will have licence to roam. Dark Horses Peru, playing in their first World Cup for 36 years, put New Zealand out of the intercontinental playoffs, with their main man, Jefferson Farfin, who plays his football with Lokomotiv Moscow, pulling the strings. Denmark, with Christian Eriksen, however, will look to cause any of the surprise that may crop up in Group C. Wooden Spoon Contenders The Socceroos Australia gave an enigmatic quality to the group after Angapos Koglu left his role following the win over Honduras in the intercontinental playoffs. Dutchman Bert van Marwijk took charge, and it will be very interesting to see if he'll use the same 5-4-1 formation that got Australia to Russia. The Aussies open the campaign with a game against France next Saturday, and might not recover if they face the full wrath of Didier Deschamps' side. Class acts. Plenty. Mbappe, the £128 million teenager, as well as Pogba, Griezmann and Olivier Giraud, will be expected to feature highly as France look to atone for losing the 2016 European Championships. Young Bucks. Bucks is the operative word when it comes to 19-year-old Mbappe. The PSG forward was at the centre of an eye-watering transfer from Monaco to Paris last summer and will be expected to turn it on in Russia. Daniel Arzani, an Australian attacking midfielder, is the youngest player in the World Cup, aged 19 years and 5 months. Scottish interest. Tom Rogic will be cheered on by Celtic fans with the hoop support urging their own talisman to turn on a little magic on the greatest stage of all. With the 24-year-old nicely tied up on a long-term contract, they can afford for him to shine without fearing they may lose those balletic feet. Curiosity Corner Peru captain Polo Guerrero almost missed the tournament after facing a year-long ban for cocaine use. An appeal halved the original punishment to six months, making the captain, the all-time leading goalscorer for Peru, eligible for Russia. This article was by Alison McConnell. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018, your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group D, Argentina, Iceland, Croatia and Nigeria. This article is by Alistair McKenzie. With a tantalising blend of style and substance on show, Group D promises to deliver some of the best entertainment at the World Cup. 
Talented but unpredictable Argentina will begin as heavy favourites, but silky Croatia, powerful Nigeria and resolute Iceland are likely to make their path to the knockout stage as a treacherous one, writes Alistair McKenzie. Top Dogs Lionel Messi and his Argentina teammates are among the favourites to win the competition, and a glance at their cast of forward players is enough to see why. Sergio Aguero, Paulo Dybala and Gonzalo Higuain will all be on hand to support the Barcelona maestro. However, doubts remain over whether George Sampaoli is the man to get the best out of the squad, and after a shaky start to his reign and a 6-1 hammering by Spain in March, the makeup of the defence remains a mystery, and first-choice goalkeeper Sergio Romero has been ruled out with injury. Dark Horses Croatia's squad contains more than enough talent to make an impact in Russia, with Real Madrid star Luka Modric pulling the strings alongside club teammate Matteo Kovacic, Barca's Ivan Raticic, and Inter pair Marcelino Brozovic and Ivan Pericic in an eye-catching midfield. Wooden Spoon Contenders Iceland stunned everyone with their run to the Euro 16 quarter-finals, and they will make history again this summer by being the smallest nation ever to feature at a World Cup. The team hasn't changed much from two years ago, and will rely on its defensive organisation for results, with much of their success at the other end of the park being pinned on the form of Everton's Gylfie Sigurdsson. Nigeria will also rely on defensive resilience, but Chelsea's Victor Moses could prove a striking threat. Class Acts All eyes will be on Messi as the Argentina captain looks to inspire his country to the trophy four years on from their final heartache. Higain, Aguero and Dybala will also be desperate to shine, while Croatia's classy playmakers Modric and Raticic could dominate in midfield. Young Bucks PSG midfielder Giovanni Lo Celso will be tasked with protecting the defence and using his expansive passing range to get Argentina's star-studded attack purring, including promising winger Christian Pravon of Boca Juniors. Nigeria's 19-year-old goalkeeper Francis Ujoho is another tip to impress after recently breaking into the Super Eagles side. Scottish interest Karrier Nassen is set to line up in defence for Iceland after spending last season with Aberdeen. The 35-year-old was released by the Dons at the end of his second spell at Pataudry, but can put himself in the shop window by impressing in Russia. Curiosity Corner The thunderclap made popular by Iceland fans at Euro 2016 owes its origins to the Fir Park faithful. A small band of Sharnan fans travelled to Motherwell for a Europa League qualifier in 2014 and were so impressed by the home support performing the clap, they brought it back home and pretelled the chant to fame two years later. This article was by Alistair McKenzie. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June, 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group E, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica and Serbia. This article was by Neil Cameron. World Cups tend to get great when Brazil have a great team, which they did four years ago, right up until Germany put seven goals past them in the competition's most memorable semi-final of all, writes Neil Cameron. Talisman Neymar didn't play that day, he was injured, and so much rests on the world's most expensive player now that he's fit again after his most recent setback. A piece of paper separates the rest. Costa Rica, Serbia and Switzerland are all good enough to get through the group. 
the Swiss are, as always, ones to watch. They've won 13 of their last 15 games, and this is one of the better groups. Top dogs. Brazil, of course. Gabriel Jesus, Paulinho, Marcelo, Fernandinho, Fred, and, of course, Neymar are all there. If they click, they will take some stopping. It's not always been easy under coach Tite, and why is it Brazilians have such cool names? As they endured a slow start to qualifying, they did eventually win the group, and had two forgettable Copa Americas. However, from that awful night in Rio four years ago, an entire country's been building up to this World Cup. Dark Horses You could make an argument for each of the other three sides. Switzerland are rarely fancied, but they're always there. They're not the most exciting team, however they know how to grind out results, which is more than half the battle. Their squad is multinational, and this mix has helped bring some flair to the Swiss. They don't concede many goals, and they'll confidently have half an eye on the last 16. Wooden Spoon Contenders Costa Rica are probably the weakest side in the group. They've lost four times in the last five games. They did, however, manage to beat Scotland, and in goalkeeper Kaylor Navas of Real Madrid, they have at least one world-class player. Class Acts Anyone wearing yellow and blue for starters, but look out for Lazio's Sergei Milankovic-Savic, who found himself out of the Serbian team under the previous coach, but has since come back into the squad. He's a moody so-and-so, but when he's in the mood, is one talented footballer. Also, Alexander Mitrovic will be interesting to watch, as there is much chance of him starting a fight as there is for him scoring for the Serbs. Young Bucks Manuela Kanch of Borussia Dortmund is, at 22, already an outstanding defender and one of Switzerland's better players. There's talk of him going on to Barcelona, and an impressive showing on the biggest stage of all might just seal his move. Scottish interest. Serbia must feel left out, because they're the only country in the group not to have played Scotland in a major championship. In 1990, both Brazil and Costa Rica beat the Scots in Italy. At least we beat the Swiss at Euro 96, on the night we got knocked out. Curiosity Corner. The great Romero has advised the Brazilian players to have as much sex as they can in Russia because this will help them win the World Cup. And this begs the question, how much action did the wee man see in 1994? This article was by Neil Cameron. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June, 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group F. Germany, Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. This article was by Susan Egelstaff. Of all the groups, Group F appears to be one of the clearest cut. Germany are the current World Cup holders and world number ones and sparkled in their qualification campaign, writes Susan Egelstaff. Sweden have quite a pedigree in World Cups, reaching four semi-finals and a final over the years, but the current team are not hitting the heights that Lars Lagerbach's side managed in the early 2000s. There was talk of Zlatani Brimovic coming out of international retirement for the tournament, but it wasn't to be. Mexico are a solid, if unspectacular, team, while South Korea are rank outsiders. Top Dogs Germany's defeat to France in the semi-finals of Euro 2016 had led some to suggest that this German team had peaked. However, they have proved those doubters spectacularly wrong and are currently the world number one ranked side. While they may not be the bookies' favourites to win the title again, it's impossible to see them failing to negotiate their way into the knockout stages. Dark Horses Sweden may not boast players from the likes of Arsenal, Juve and Barca as they did in the past, but they're still capable of causing an upset, which was highlighted by their impressive victory against Italy in the playoffs for this tournament. Wooden Spoon Contenders South Korea looks shoe-ins to go home with this bauble. They struggled to make their way through the qualifiers and only narrowly made it to Russia, which resulted in their firing of their head coach. 
They're lacking severely in strength and depth in the squad and will be relying heavily on their two world-class players who both ply their trade in England, Sun Hyung-min of Tottenham Hotspur and Ki Sung-hwang of Swansea City. Class acts. Take your pick when it comes to class acts in the German team. Keeper Manuel Neuer of Bayern Munich was injured for much of the season but is expected to play in Russia. And with the likes of Tony Cruz, Mesut Ozil and Sami Khedira all still in the mix following the 2014 victory, there's plenty of experience in Joachim Loy's squad. Mexico's Herving Lozanzo of PSV Eindhoven is another to keep an eye out for. Young Bucks For all of Germany's talent, they're not blessed with a plethora of world-class strikers. But this tournament could be a breakout few weeks for the young Red Bull Leipzig forward Timo Werner. The 22-year-old has scored 21 goals in each of the last two seasons and racked up seven goals in ten games for Germany last year. Impressive showings here could bring global attention. Scottish interest. All eyes will be on Sweden when it comes to this one, with only Celtic's Mikael Lustig strutting his stuff in Group F. Curiosity Corner. The omission of Ibrahimovic from Sweden's squad was a blow to football fans and those who enjoy hearing people talk about themselves in the third person. But strangely, the strikers blamed his absence on the Swedish media, accusing the press's coverage of him and their constant insistence that the team are better off without him for his exclusion. Zlatan is not there. He should be there, but he's not there, he mused. This article was by Susan Egelstaff. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June, 2018. Sport Times Special Feature. Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group G. Belgium, Panama, Tunisia and England. This article by Chris Jack. On paper, this looks like one of the easier groups to predict in terms of who will progress, and it's likely to come down to the meeting between Belgium and England on match day three to determine who takes top spot in the standings. After that, Tunisia are the next best side, and Panama should trail home last, writes Chris Jack. That said, if the three Lions don't roar, the Eagles could soar into the last 16 if Gareth Southgate's side aren't careful in their opening game. With just three points from three appearances, Tunisia aren't setting their sights that high, however. Top dogs. Belgium should come out on top, though there are doubts over just how far they'll progress once the challenges become tougher later in the tournament. Roberto Martinez has a plethora of household names in his squad, but many, including the likes of Vincent Kompany, Thomas Vermeulen, Jan Vertonghen, Moussa Dembele and Marouane Fellaini are on the wrong side of 30 these days, and it may be a case of now or never for the Belgians' very own golden generation. The last eight meeting with Brazil or Germany looks ominous for Martinez's side, and another early exit looks likely. Dark Horses England don't really fit the label in terms of a side that could cause a surprise and punch above their weight, but they are the only option here. There will be plenty of talk south of the border about what Southgate's side can do, but it's hard to see them mounting a serious challenge. They are capable of one big result, but surely not a succession of knockout wins. Southgate does have a decent squad at his disposal, but when compared man for man and position by position with the other big hitters, you can't make a compelling case for England. Wooden Spoon Contenders This will be the only award that Panama will win this summer, but Hernan Gomez's side have already achieved something special just by reaching the finals for the first time. An 88th minute winner against Costa Rica, coupled with a shock defeat for the USA at the hands of Trinidad and Tobago, earned Panama their place. Class Acts One man, Belgium's Kevin De Bruyne, shines brighter than the rest. The playmaker heads to Russia off the back of a simply sublime campaign for Manchester City and there will be plenty of pressure on his shoulders as he looks to replicate his club form on the international stage. Young Bucks 
Liverpool fullback Trent Alexander-Arnold is the youngest member of the England squad, but don't count it against him making an impact if Southgate puts his faith in a 19-year-old. Scottish interest. As usual, some will adopt the anyone-but-England mentality. If we can't be there ourselves, an England embarrassment is the next best thing for some Tartan Army members. Curiosity Corner. Roman Torres was Panama's joint top scorer during qualification, alongside namesake Gabriel Torres. Both scored twice. For Roman, a central defender, his achievement's more a notable one than his compatriot, who is a striker. In all, Panama scored just nine times in ten CONCACAF fixtures. This article was by Chris Jack. The Evening Times, on Monday, the 11th of June, 2018. Sport Times Special Feature, Russia 2018. Your group-by-group guide to this summer's FIFA World Cup. Group H. Poland, Senegal, Colombia and Japan. This article by Nick Roger. The thing about World Cup games is that they can be predictably unpredictable. Cameroon beat Argentina, Algeria beat West Germany, North Korea beat Italy. Here at Russia 2018, Group H looks pretty open, writes Nick Roger. So, let's take a peek. Top Dogs. Colombia may have limped over the qualifying line with a finish that was as frayed as one of Carlos Valderrama's split ends. They won only one of their last four games, but they have plenty of quality and attacking zeal. Quarter-finalists in 2014, the Colombians are expected to be fighting it out with Poland for top spot in the group. Dark Horses Many underestimated Senegal in their first World Cup back in 2002 and ended up eating fistfuls of humble pie. They beat France in their opening group game and went on to reach the last eight. With a powerful side featuring the likes of Kalidou Koulibaly and Sadio Mane, nobody will underestimate them again. Wooden Spoon Contenders This is the sixth consecutive World Cup for the Japanese, but they've managed to get out of the group stages only twice before. At 60th on the global pecking order, they are by far the lowest-ranked team in the group. But then, the World Cup can be a great leveller. Well, that's what the El Salvador manager said before his side's game with Hungary at Spain in 1982. And what happened? Yeah, that's right. El Salvador lost 10-1. to Class Acts Robert Lewandowski has broken more records than a bull in the second-hand vinyl shop when he scored 16 times in qualifying, the most ever by a player in a European campaign. For Senegal, Sadio Mane is a flair player with the kind of fearsome pace you'd see at the Shawfield Dogs. On the Colombian front, Radamel Falcao is a player reborn. He missed the 2014 World Cup with a serious knee injury, but the 32-year-old's bounced back with gusto and has scored over 50 goals during the past two seasons with Monaco. Another relative veteran in the group is Japan's Keisuke Honda. Not so much a rising sun, more of a setting sun, but he's still got plenty to offer though. The 32-year-old remains one of the nation's finest footballing exports. Young Bucks. Ah, the confidence of youth. I see myself as a revelation of the World Cup, said Columbus Wilmar Barrios, with all the modesty of Donald Trump standing at a mirror in the scud. Barrios's compatriot James Rodriguez was one of the stars of the 2014 tournament, and there are plenty tipping this latest Colombian youngster to shine in Russia, including himself. The Scottish interest. That's a struggle in this group, but wait, Japan's talisman remains the aforementioned Keisuke Honda. Isn't that the name of the car dealership on Linwood Road? Oh, sorry, that, that's Phoenix Honda. Curiosity Corner The Colombian fans are a patriotic bunch and need no excuse to burst into a rousing rendition of the national anthem O Gloria in Marquisibo. That translates to O Unfading Glory, a chant which the Tartan army have adopted and reworded as O Unrelenting Disaster. This article was by Nick Roger. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Evening Times. 
This weekly talking newspaper digest was a Q&Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q&Review and the producer was Jay Kidd. Q&Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity. Number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976.